Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Nick usually sends me, he always does, not usually, he always uh, sends me a, a hard copy of his message before he preaches so I can go over it. But Brother Jeremy and I were in Michigan during a four-day uh, conference. We preached uh, five times in four days. Uh, I didn't have a chance to look over Nick's message until Jeremy and I were in the car driving back to the airport. So I was reading it out loud to Jeremy. So we, we heard the message uh, from the hard copy, but when I got back, I watched it on the video, and uh, I'm so proud of him. And uh, God has always been faithful in giving me men in every church that I pastored, and uh, he has not quit doing that. But Pastor Nick quoted a Scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, where it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, when a church seeks purity as he preached uh, Sunday, you're going to find God. If you seek purity, you're going to find God. And, and, and when we seek holiness, we're not only going to find God, but we're going to find his will and his purpose for our life. You can't do it sinning. You'll never, you'll never find that out sinning. But when you seek purity, you're going to find God, and you're going to find his will and his purpose for your life. The church needs to seek holiness because we are the only source of hope for this world that we're living in. Our world has never been in such a serious hour as the one we're living in right now. New Orleans, our city, is probably leading the country in murders. Uh, we are troubled. We're in a troubled time. Deep moral decline. Things aren't getting better. It's getting worse. Our country is on a countdown to judgment. But I want to remind you of something that the Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. The Apostle Peter is saying, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly inner sinner appear? In other words, if we don't make it, which shot do they have in making it? They have two, slim and none. And, and slim left town. So if judgment is going to come to the house of God first, then revival is going to have to come here first. And uh, the book of Isaiah the prophet, like all the accounts of the prophet, all the books of the prophets, they were sent to turn God's people back to him. They were never sent to the world. 
All the prophets, the Old Testament, were never sent to go to the ungodly world or the ungodly nations. The prophets were always sent to his people. God wanted his people turned back to him. They were sent to the Jewish people because they were the ones that should have known him, should have been serving him, and should have been worshiping him. So God sent men that he raised up to be prophets so they could come and turn God's people back to him. So we're going to cover some of the prophet Isaiah's ministry, not all of it, it's a tremendous ministry. So I titled the message today, The Isaiah Experience. In chapter 1, it starts like this in verse 1. It says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Isaiah had a vision of the tribe of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. The vision revealed the spiritual condition of them and that God's judgment was coming to them. This was all that he saw. He saw their spiritual condition that God was about ready to bring judgment on them. There were many woes that he prophesied uh, that was going to come to them, in, uh, uh, especially in chapter 5. There were many of them, but I only want to read one of those. If you read chapter 5, you're going to see it's one woe after the other that was going to come on them because of their wayward condition. But in verse 20 in chapter 5, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, we all know this is exactly the condition of our world today. They're turning things upside down. And we quote this a lot of times. I've done it myself, but I quote it out of context. Uh, and if you do that, you're, you're, you're quoting it out of context, even though it represents their condition. But to use that woe, against the people of the world is taking it out of context because it was directed to us. It was directed to the people of God, not to the world. God knows they're wacko, but, when he, but he's telling it to us that we can't do that. We can't turn things upside down the way the world does it. So chapter 5 is all the woes that's pronouncing judgments on Judah and Jerusalem. That's a serious thing when a prophet goes out and he starts proclaiming judgment on people. It's a serious thing. It's the same when we're preaching the gospel because the gospel is actually judgment. You either take it and get saved or you reject it and the wrath of God will come upon you in the end. So as the, I think when we're preaching, I think preachers need to keep check on themselves first. If you're going to pick up the mantle of preaching, then you better check yourself out first before you begin preaching the gospel 
to other people. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. He tells the church, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now that's what uh, New NIV uh, 2011 says. The King James Version says that I myself should be a castaway. In other words, after I am doing the work of the Lord in the end, I'm going to be discarded also. I like the Amplified. The Amplified says, so that I would be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Wow. That will straighten up a preacher. Then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, this will really straighten you out. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did your, in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Wow, what a ministry. Huh? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What? That should put fear in every minister of the gospel. I know it puts fear in me. It has done it for 40, 42 years now. Uh, I fear when I get behind this pulpit. Uh, Jeremy said he gets nervous when he gets behind. He said, you need to be nervous. You don't get up here and preach the word. You need to be nervous. I remember the first message I preached when God called me to the ministry. Uh, I, would, I was in Lakeview Christian Center, and, and my pastor got me a speaking engagement. Guess where it was at? It was at the Tabernacle in Chalmette. I had no idea that one day I'd be pastoring that church and having that ministry. But the pastor of the church at the time was Brother Hall, and uh, he was the, the overseer of the whole New Orleans area, all the churches. And they put me up in his church. I remember it was, it was during the winter, and, and thank God I was wearing a wool suit and wool thick wool pants because my knees were shaking when I got to the pulpit, because he was sitting behind me. I had him sitting behind me and my pastor sitting behind me, and my knees started knocking together. But I realized that every time you get to the pulpit, that that's how it ought to be. You, you need to be afraid of speaking the word of God, not for the people, but for yourself. So in chapter 5, Isaiah is speaking all the woes, all the judgment. He's out there, and he's telling the people, all God's going to do to them if they don't turn. I mean, one woe after the other he's doing. Now, in chapter 6, Isaiah gets a wake-up call himself. And, let's, and he gets a vision. Let's read that. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seating on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, 
and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The sounds of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off were taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Here Isaiah gets a vision from the Lord that actually transforms his life. This transforms his life. This is what happens to Isaiah. It needs to happen in this ministry. We have three churches. It needs to happen in this ministry. And it needs to happen from the pastors, every one of them, every one of us, all the way to those who are sitting in the seats. It needs to happen to this ministry. If the judgment of God is going to start in the family of God first, then the revival must come first to the church. There's any hope in the world? We have to be revived. This thing. So how, how did this vision affect Isaiah? Well, it affected him because now here he was out there. He had visions of the Lord, and he was bringing judgment on God. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but he was doing it without really having a true awareness of the character of God himself. See, you can do this stuff without really knowing exactly who we're serving. So there was a new awareness of the character of God. In Isaiah 6.1, I'm going to read it again. He says, In a year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, Seated on a throne in a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. The year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. Okay, he was serving an earthly king. Uzziah was a powerful king. He was a great king, and uh, you really need to look at his life because it ended kind of bad. He was a great king. He became powerful and became prideful. And he thought he could go in the temple of God and, and bring incense and burn incense that only the priests needed to be doing. And all of the priests tried to grab the king. They tried to stop him. You can't do that. Here they're grabbing the king, trying to stop him. But he got mad and angry, and he went in to do it. 
but he found out that he had leprosy all over his forehead because of doing something he wasn't supposed to do. So the priest had to get him out of there, but he died of leprosy. So we got to be careful about how we handle the things of God. Isaiah was consumed by this king because the king was great. king kept him very busy. He was serving the king. He was serving an earthly king. And when you start serving an earthly king, it consumes your life. The earthly king had to die before Isaiah could see the real king that he should have been serving all along, the king of kings and the lord of lords. So we got to get rid of a lot of earthly kings, things that are consuming our life, if we ever want to see the real king that we should be serving. Isaiah was getting visions and prophesying, but he never really knew the king that he was serving. So it's possible that we can become so consumed, and I had to deal with this over the past 42 years, we can be consumed by the work of the Lord that we don't know the Lord of the work. See, see, I'm a guy that likes to get things done. I remember when we first went out to River Ridge to start our first church, and starting a church, it ain't no, no easy thing. We met in a school cafeteria like we did in the hotel, setting up every week, tearing down, setting up, tearing down. And... Uh, and I said to myself, and nobody wants to help me, I'll build this thing myself. But I realized you can't do that. And I realized that I can't get so consumed in trying to do it myself that I forget who I'm doing it for. You see? And, and uh, uh, so that we don't really have a relationship with the person that we're supposed to be representing. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and exalted, seating on a, sitting on a throne, and a train of his temple filled, of his robe filled the temple. He saw the Lord. The high see, he saw him as omnipotent. He saw him as the all-powerful God. Then he saw him as omniscient, the all-knowing God. Then he saw him as the omnipresent, the ever-present God. He exists everywhere. So he got a glimpse of how great God was, how magnificent God was. And he also saw the same living creatures around the throne as the apostle John saw in the book of Revelation and Ezekiel saw in his vision. Same thing. So we know that that scene exists because Isaiah saw it, John the Revelator saw it, the prophet Ezekiel saw it, he saw the throne of God with the living creatures flying around and they described them the same way. So he heard them crying out, as they were calling to one another in verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Three times they cried holy. Why didn't they do it two? Why didn't they do it five? Well, they were recognizing the Trinity of God. They saw the Holy Father, they saw the Holy Son, and they saw the Holy Spirit. They cried holy, holy, 
holy. So he got a good vision of who God really is. But something happens when you're in the presence of God. When you're in his presence, something happens. This is what happened to him. He had a new awakening of his conscience. When Isaiah saw the Lord in his holiness, this is what happened in verse 5. He says, Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. The Lord Almighty, what a contrast here, is that he was crying woe to everybody else in chapter 5. He was crying, he was out there just warning everybody. Warning everybody in Judah, everybody in the city of Jerusalem, yeah, this is what's coming to you guys, this is what's going to happen. Now all of a sudden it's woe to me. I'm ruined. Woe to me. Yeah, I was saying woe to you. Now I got to say woe to me. He saw himself in the presence of God. So when he was in the presence of God, he measured himself by that. And when you measure yourself according to God's standard, we come up short. See, and that's the way we need to be measured. That's why we need to create in the ministry, and I'm going to be going from church to church in July, and I'm going to be able to have the spiritual thermometer up to see how it is. Because without the presence of God in our services, we will never understand what our condition is. If God doesn't show up here, then we're just having a training center. But when God's here, then we can determine who we are. That's when, when the Word of God goes forth, then it's going to do something because the presence of God is here. That's why we, people say, well, you don't worship too long. Or you think we worship long here. You should have been at Chalmette when we had 600 people. People used to say, why do you work? Why do we have to sing so many songs? Why? Can we just sing two, hear the word, get out of here? No. If we do not usher in the presence of God, then we're going to walk out of here the same way. I want to walk out of here different. I'm different now. God touched me right there when we were singing. Listen, I want to leave here different. You don't want to leave. Why come? If you're not going to be changed coming here, why come? And the only way we're going to be changed is that God's got to show up here. <laughs> that church in Michigan, I've been going there for, five, for 10 years now. And I've been seeing a progress. And... Uh, Last year, before this year, the last year I was there, me and Sister Dawn was there. And the Sunday that I was preaching, supposed to have been the last message that I was going to preach, but I gave the altar call, and the power of God hit the place. The pastor was up there on the platform leading worship. His mother-in-law comes to the front, 
Soon as I touched her, she went out. Next person touched her, she went out. Next person went out. I felt like I was going out. In fact, I did go out. And Sister Dawn told him, get him up, get him up, get him up. But anyway, the, the pastor in the church never seen anything like that. They never seen a move of God. They I didn't do it. I don't do anything. I can't do anything. But God can do everything. So they saw that. And, and I told him, they were so astounded at that. I said, can you get the church back tonight? I got I to gotta teach them on the Holy Ghost. This ain't nothing unusual here. I teach them, and I did. And before I left there, I told, I told the pastor, I said, your church sent something here today. I said, why don't we do something next year, do a four-day conference, get them out every night. Get them out every night. If people want to come seeking God, they're going to find God. They come, they're going to get touched. Let's see if they'll do that. Well, they did. They were very faithful, huh? Jeremy, I preached Thursday night. Jeremy, no, yeah, I preached Thursday. Jeremy preached Saturday, uh, Friday. I preached Saturday. Then I preached twice on Sunday. Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit fell. It's just gone. It's just good. So these people, the church is different. The church has fire in it. It's different. I, I thank God that we had a chance. You see, uh, we need God here. And if we don't come here seeking God, then, then I don't know what, what we're doing here. The Apostle Paul uh, tells us this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, how could that happen? How, how could this happen? Well, if you stay out of the presence of God long enough, if you stay out of the Word of God long enough, if you stay out of His, His sight long enough, that's how you end up. You stay away from the Word of God long enough, if you stay out of His presence long enough, that means being here with God's people when God's going to minister to His people, that's the presence. When you get away from the presence and you hang out there in the world, that you're going to deceive yourself. What happens is, when you get out of the presence of God, you no longer know your condition. You don't know where you're at. So if you go out there, you forget where you're at. It's like what James says with the Word of God. Hey, God, looking at, when you read the Word of God, it's like seeing yourself in the mirror, but then when you turn from the mirror, you forget who you, who you are. Forget what you look like. Well, if you go out there out of the presence of God, you revert back to what you want. And it don't take long. You get away by your natural sinful nature and the lust of the flesh will rise up and you'll be just like them. It don't take long. 
Don't take long at all. Devil's waiting for you. We're living in a time when we're being bombarded by filth and wickedness wherever you turn. I mean, I mean, you got to put you got to put blinders on when you got the television on because you don't know what's going to come up on a commercial. It, and it's wickedness. We're living in a corrupt society that can have an effect on us if we're not careful. We can become dull spiritually. We we can see we can't see the world like it really is. I remember the night I got saved. It was as if God turned the light on. I can see the world like it is, man. It's terrible out there. I couldn't see it before. But if you get away from the presence of God, you'll go back out there and you'll forget how wicked the world is. You'll forget. See, our consciousness of holiness, which Pastor Nick started preaching last week on purity, if we are not sensitive to the holiness of God, we become insensitive and we begin to compare ourselves with the world which we can deceive ourselves. Listen, that world is so wicked. If you just think you're a little bit better than they are, you're deceiving yourself. You look at it, well, I ain't them. No, you ain't them, but you ain't over here either. <laughs> See, we can't be content with comparing ourselves to the world. They will never realize what our condition is that way. That's why the prophet Isaiah, the minister of God, he probably felt before chapter 6, Chapter 5, when he's out there laying all the woes and the judgments on everybody, he probably felt he was okay. I'm all right. I'm doing the work of the Lord. Right? And I'm just whipping him down out there until chapter 6. He got in the presence of the king. He realized where he was until he found himself at the throne of God in his presence. What a revelation. Right? What a revelation to see that. What an experience. As it was an experience. Isaiah said, whoa. Whoa. Whoa to me. I'm ruined, he said. He didn't know if he could even escape it. He said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live with all these wicked people out here. He began to confess his condition because in the presence of God, he was exposed. That's why the anointing of God's got to be present when we come together. There were times in Chalmette, I can remember, we had a great worship team. People worship just like you are. We need to worship God because it ushers in his presence. I remember they had people doing the worship service who would come forward and want to get saved. They said, I need something. I'm in the presence of God here. I need something. I remember leading people to Christ before he even got up to preach because the room was so thick with the presence of God that sinners walk in, they don't. Something's got to happen. 
Something's got to happen. But the beautiful thing about God is the moment we confess our sins, the moment the cleansing comes right away. You ain't got to wait on it. You ain't got to beg for it. You don't have to get a rain check on it. Soon as you confess your sins, he's there. Soon as, soon as Isaiah did that, cleansing came. Soon as he did it. That's why 1 John 1 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Right then and there. You know, you don't have to wait on it. He's not going to say an hour or two. No. As soon as you do it. I remember it happened to me. Got off my knees. Boom. It was gone. Everything was right. I was right for once in my life. The Lord doesn't make the repentant sinner wait. But forgiveness, it comes right away. Let's look at Isaiah's experience. He said, then, once he realized he was, he was ruined, in verse 6 he said, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and when he had taken it with tongs from the altar, when it touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Because of his recognition of his condition and the fear of his own judgment coming, he said, here, I'm, here, I'm, I'm bringing judgment to all these people. It's going to come to me too. I'm in the same way. His fear was comforted by the angel. The angel said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for Everyone who hears the gospel preached in the anointing presence of God, if they humble themselves and repent, right quick, they're going to be encouraged and they're going to be exalted. Their sins are going to be removed and it's going to be cleansed by fire. Say fire. Fire. Isaiah had to experience this cleansing of sin he had to experience the cleansing of his own sins for him to understand what God was going to do for the people of Judah in the city of Jerusalem if they turned. He had to understand. He didn't understand it before. He was just doing God's business, bringing the woes and the judgments on them. The rock of Yell turn, God's going to do this. But he experienced what was going to happen to them if they did turn. Now, what God was going to do for Judah and Jerusalem if they repented? Isaiah prophesied this to them before they experienced, before he experienced their own cleansing. Remember, we're in chapter 6. I want to go back to chapter 4. This is what the Lord, this is what Isaiah said to them even before he brought the judgments and before he received his own experience. This is what he said. Isaiah 4.2 In that day, the branch, notice the branch is capitalized. 
the branch is Jesus. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors of Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Say fire. Okay. That God would cleanse them that by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Remember, God only has one spirit. It's holy. And that spirit of fire was holy fire from the altar of God that Isaiah experienced. The same tongues of fire that landed on the church in Acts chapter 2 was fire. Tongues of fire landed on 120 in the upper room. See, God uses that fire. And that fire in the day of Pentecost came from the same place that angel took that coal off the altar and touched Isaiah's tongue with it and his mouth with it. The same, the same coal. That, that angel told Isaiah, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. We need holy fire to touch us. As soon as we recognize we need it, we'll get it. That's how, that's, how, that's how it comes. John the Baptist told a crowd that came to him in Matthew chapter 3, they wanted to know if John the Baptist was the Christ. He said, no, I'm not the Christ. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Isaiah recorded that the Lord would wash away their filth by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. There's only one spirit of God. And that same spirit will convict us of sin. That's where the judgment comes. See, we don't know how bad we are. He'll tell you how bad you are. But he's going to say, it's okay because the fire is coming. They, the fire, the fire is coming. Yeah, the fire is coming. It's going to cleanse you. It's going to burn it all up. We'll pray. Listen, we're going to pray in a minute here that the fire is going to come. See, when that fiery coal touched Isaiah's mouth, his sins were cleansed. He was done. See, it's over. I know. You're ruined, you, 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 you know, woe is you. But the Lord said, it's, it's okay now. You confessed up, it's okay. And right after that happened, Isaiah also said, I heard the voice of the Lord. See, before that, Isaiah was seeing vision. He was seeing visions. But he never heard the voice of the Lord. When he got cleansed, he said, after that, he said, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. 
What, what did he think he was doing before? He was out there blasting people with woes and judgment. Now he says, send me. I got it now. See, I got it now. I have experienced what God's going to do to these people if they would just turn and repent. See, unless you're born again, filled with God's Holy Spirit, you can't tell these people anything because you don't know what you're talking about. But you see, when you get born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you can go out there and tell people, this is what God can do for you. This is what's going to happen when you repent of that lifestyle and you come to him, this is what's going to happen. Then you can go out there. Until then, keep your mouth shut. But after that, get out there and shout. Say, listen, I'm telling you the truth. See, Isaiah may have thought of himself fit for service before, but now it's a different story. Whole different story now. He heard the Lord said, who are we going to send? Who's going to go for us? Send me. Why? Because he's seen the king of glory. He not only seen him, but now he's hearing his voice. Who shall I send? Who will go for me? Isaiah answered, here, here I am, send me. Until now, Isaiah only had visions of God. But now he has seen him and heard his voice. Look what Jesus said in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. It wasn't until the fire touched Isaiah that he heard the voice of God. We need to hear from God today. We need the fire. Stand with me. Hmm. If you're here, bow your heads with me for a second. If you're here today and you've never experienced being cleansed of your sins, you can experience what the prophet Isaiah did. The fire of God is present here right now. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I, I've never had that experience. I've never had God to cleanse me of my sin. I would like to be cleansed today. And I want to tell you this, God's not going to wait up one second if you want that. So if you're here today, while everybody's got their head bowed, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I think I need to be saved. Name Bob. Name Bob. Come on, let the sound of worship be released from your lips all right, listen up. Oh, that's good. Y'all raise This church needs to hear from God. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God individually. And we need to hear from God corporately as a body. And when we hear from the Lord, 
He's going to say, Whom shall I say? We should expect each and every one to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Send me. Let's get in the presence of God. Let's get around the altar. I don't know how long I preach or really don't care.